0: Thank <music> you. The series that we've been walking through has been incredible. Thank you so much for your encouraging emails that you've been sending this week. Uh, it is, I know, I know, I know that this series is a challenge uh, because it's a challenge for me. We started off on the first week talking about our emotional, our emotional healthy spirituality. How there are things in our lives that we need to make sure that we're addressing because we want to look more like Jesus. Last week, we talked about our family of origin, how our family of origin can play a part into who we are today. But Jesus has greater desires for us that we don't just belong to our earthly family, but we also belong to our heavenly family. There are things in our family of origins that were God-given, and there are things in our family of origin that God says, let me take that and to transform that into my kingdom. And this week, we want to talk about family lids. So over the last couple of weeks, we have identified two things. Number one, resilient disciples of Christ cultivate meaningful relationships with others, with other followers of Jesus that they desire to be around and become like themselves. And so we talked about how not only do we want you to get to know everybody in the room, but we also want to encourage each person to be someone worth getting to know. Right? And so in the world of dating, that's like my favorite 101, right? For like 15 and 16 year olds. Like stop looking for your husband. Stop looking for your wife. But be like a spouse that someone would be happy to have. And so that goes even for us in relationships. Like we don't want to just look for friends. But we want to be that friend that God has called us to be. We want to be that person in the relationship that continues to point those around us to Christ. And then we also identified this critical issue that we've been addressing for the last two weeks that we have defined spiritual maturity by disconnecting it from emotional maturity. We have defined spiritual maturity by disconnecting it from emotional maturity. If you were here last week, we spoke on the life of Joseph and his family members, how God had taken the situation that his family had placed him in, but God had never left Joseph. And Joseph's faith had never left God. And so God used him uh, not only to restore his earthly family, but the entire kingdom that God was calling. And in our own lives, let's this week look at the life of David and his family lids. Now, lids in and of themselves are fantastic. I love a good lid, right? There is nothing better than a good lid on your hot drink, right? Because if you're like me without that lid, it doesn't all go where it's supposed to go, right? Like wearing a white Life Center shirt is fantastic until it's got hot chocolate all over it. And you're like, why do we go with white? Like, why not black? Like, uh, like it's just so much easier for me. Or if uh, anybody else here is a Dairy Queen Enthusiado, uh, that is me, I love myself. A good Blizzard chocolate chip cookie dough for the win. It is amazing, it is amazing. But Dairy Queen does something really specific where you actually have to ask for a lid. Have you ever done that before? They give you this Blizzard and it's heaping over and you're like, I'm not trying to eat it in the car. I got to go. Why is there no lid? And so you get, put the lids on there to keep everything contained inside that needs to be contained. And there are times in our lives that lids are equally as important. There are times in our lives where lids are as equally as important, whether it be uh, limits in just our everyday life or even uh, God putting limits on our gifts and, and, and limits on how the Holy Spirit wants to use us. For example, there's, there's limits on our income. Let's take a second. Okay, there's limits on our income, right? Now, there's a top end and a bottom end, and embracing it is wise, but ignoring it isn't wise at all. There's limits for our energy, right? I think COVID showed us that. One of the best things to come out of COVID was it showed us that we had filled our lives with so much stuff. And now that we're out of COVID, our desire here at Life Center is that we would now fill our lives with so much Jesus. Because that's where true rest comes from. There's limits to our energy. There can be limits to our compassion. Our intellect. All, have the, all of these things have limits. There's limits at times. Even in our family of origin. I know for myself it was really, really important for me. Uh, that my family established limits on my own life. My parents loved me. Believed in me. Told me I could be whatever I wanted. And so as you do at like 5 and 6 years old. You're like perfect. Because I really want to be a dinosaur. And I went to school and the school didn't quite understand that I hadn't fully comprehended the limits yet. And so biting in school isn't you know appreciated. And I came home and my parents put that lid on. They said, you can be anything but a T-Rex. All right, that's just not where we're going with this. Be a doctor, right? Be a lawyer don't be a velociraptor, just let it go. And so there's times where our lids and our family of origin can be healthy, where there are parameters. If you're here today and you are a young person, you're in high school, listen, your parents actually do know what they're talking about. I know, shocker. But they do. I got you. I got you. I got you. It took me a long time to figure that out myself. I've talked about that before. But there are times where there are healthy limits put on, where people who are older than us, who have lived uh, through different things than us, can actually step into our situations and say, hey, I've been there. I've done that. This is what Jesus did for me. And I'm not trying to limit you. But I am trying to limit the consequences of what comes out of that type of action. There are healthy limits that take place. But there are times also where there are unhealthy lids that are placed over us. And in the story of David, we'll see this. In 1 Samuel 16, Samuel the prophet is is looking to anoint the next king of Israel. We talked about Saul and how he was really living for himself. And he was more of a people pleaser than he was a God pleaser. And so God had removed the anointing of being king of Israel from Saul. And so now Samuel was being given the task of finding the next king of Israel. And so God brings him to the the family of Jesse. And Jesse has seven sons passed before Samuel. Seven sons where Samuel, it's noted in, in, in 1 Samuel 16 that he sees them and he sees the outside. And he says, wow, look at these sons. Surely one of them is meant to be king. Yet seven of these sons passed before him and nothing. Because the one who God had seen was not present yet. So 1 Samuel 16, starting at verse 11, it says this. Then Samuel said to to Jesse, are all your sons here? And he said, ah, there remains, yet the youngest. But behold, he is keeping sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and get him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. And he sent him and brought him in. Now he was ready and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him. in the midst of his brothers and the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David. And from that day forward, David was king. David was king. Now the lid that was on David's life in this story is that there was a lid and there was a gap between how God saw him and how others saw him. Not necessarily just uh, the, the gift of limits that I was talking about before, but this was actually an incompleteness of vision. The people that that David had done life with up until this point, couldn't see what God was doing in him. They only saw him for his physical attributes. They only saw him for what it was that he had already accomplished within the family unit. They didn't see what it was that God was preparing for him. There are times in our lives where those who love us most limit us to the greatest measure. Now, we always have to remember that there is no limitation for God. Amen? But it can become a limitation for us. As it was in the life of David, it can also be in our life. That God's anointing of truly from God. That your gift makes room for you to grow into it. In Proverbs 18, 16 to A, the the great proverb says this. A man's gift makes room for him to grow. When we speak of spiritual gifting, anointing, assignment, or agency. In spiritual terms, we are talking about divine purpose. If it's a spirit-given gift, anointing, assignment, or given agency, it will be evident to others in the work of God in your life in those areas. But there's often also that crucible moment, that moment where we walk into the midst of battle, where the, the, the boundary is beginning to be defined, where you see as it, all of this is beginning to unfold, you can see where God is asking you to go, and maybe where others are telling you you shouldn't journey. For David, this comes immediately in the next chapter. He's been anointed as king, but he's not king yet. 1 Samuel 17, starting at verse 26. Saul is the current king, but we've already established that he was not acting as God had called a king to act. As a result, we find the children of Israel that for 40 days they've been cowering in fear, rather than arising in courage. There was no godly leader in their midst. The Philistines, on the other hand, have a giant of a man named Goliath, whom they see as undefeatable. He fits all the criteria of a great warrior. But David comes to this task from a different angle. See, David has been established in his relationship with God. He has been tending sheep, but God has also led him into battles where maybe nobody else had seen it, but God had come through time and time again. And so as David steps in the midst where his brothers are, and he hears Goliath shouting these, these, these terrible things against his God, these terrible things against God's people, instead of cowering in fear, David is overcome with righteous anger. Who does this Philistine think that he is talking to? I know who my God is. And he's bigger than what this army is showing. 1 Samuel 17, 26. David said to the men who stood by him, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? What a proclamation. I always think of the life of David and stand in awe of of these Old Testament uh, prophets, these Old Testament examples that they had a relationship with God that was incredibly deep and incredibly powerful, and Jesus hadn't walked the earth yet. That Jesus... That we were proclaiming that Jesus that was moving in this room, David and, and, and Samuel and all of these great men of the Old Testament, all these great ladies of the Old Testament, they didn't even have Jesus as the example yet. And yet they stood passionately for God. How much more so are we called today? Because of what Jesus did on the cross for us. Because of the salvation that's available. Because of the healing that takes place on a weekly basis in our midst. How much more so are we called to stand in that gap? To stand in that moment of, uh, of battle, that moment of challenge and say, God, I don't know exactly where you're going to move. And, and even though my family may not see it in me, I know who you are. And though my coworkers may not be able to see what it is that you've already done, God, I know that there is a lid that you are looking to remove for my family. There's a lid that you're looking to remove for my workplace. There's a lid that you're looking to remove in my faith. David now faces two challenges. A limitation of family and a limitation of leadership. 1 Samuel 17, 28. Now, Elab His eldest brother, when he heard, he spoke to the men. Now, let me read that again. Now, Elab, his other brothers heard when he spoke to the men. And Elab's anger was kindled against David. He said, why have you come down? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your presumption and the evil of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. And David said, but what have I done now? Was it not but a word? David is taken before Saul, and Saul says this. You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth, and he has been a man of war from his youth. And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. Now David isn't arrogant. He's not dismissive or disrespectful to his family or to Saul. But he also doesn't allow their viewpoint to define his future. Even in the story as Samuel is is, is brought the seven brothers and David, he honors his father and stays in the field where it is that Jesse has asked him to care for the sheep. I I just imagine him watching all seven of his brothers leave to go meet this prophet. But David humbles himself and says, I will honor my father even though he doesn't see in me what he sees in my other brothers. David isn't arrogant or dismissive or disrespectful in any way, but he doesn't allow their view of him to define where God is taking him. What David does next is equal parts simple and significant. Because when no one was around, David learned to trust God alone. And he learned that God could deliver from a lion from a bear, and even from a giant. Where God has generally called you, trust God to work first in you, and then through you. We've already prayed into that this morning. Amen? God in us, God for us, God through us. 1 Samuel seventeen thirty nine. David strapped his sword over his armor, and he tried to go in vain, for he not tested them. Then David's said to Saul, I cannot go with these for I have not tested them. So David put them off and he took a staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the brook and put them in a shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand as he approached the Philistine. In life, there are battles before the battle. Times for us to discern the difference between a gift of limits that we don't all need to be T-Rexes and also the narrative of how others are desiring to define our life. What did David's brothers and Saul have in, have in common? Well, they only saw David through the narrative of their own story. To help step into his divine destiny, nowhere does David and nowhere does David throw away these relationships, but instead he prioritizes how God has worked and will work in his life. And this is what we're called to do also. To value those relationships that God has called us into but to not allow them to speak more powerfully, to not allow them to speak more directly into our lives than the God who created us from the very beginning. He knows. He knows. And you may be here this morning and you may feel like God is distant, you may feel like God is separate, but I want to let you know that he has never been closer. That we serve a God that doesn't leave. We serve a God that even in those moments where you may make a mistake, even in those moments where you may not only allow others to define uh, uh, how it is that you see yourself, but maybe you allow your weakness, maybe you allow those moments of, uh, of sin to define who you truly are. And God is calling today and he's saying, no. You are who I say you are. You are who I say you are. Not what your best friend has said. Not who they need you to be. Even those earthly parents that God has given us. His word is above all. And so we see here that David stands before Saul. And he's not arrogantly looking. Listen, if Saul had said that he wasn't going to go, David would have submitted to that leadership. But God was already at work. God had placed David exactly where he needed to be. No one else was stepping up to this giant. And so David was brought into this story and he had already seen God do great things. Church, how many of us have already seen God do great things? Won't he do it again? That's who he is. It's not a question of whether he will or he won't. The question is when and how. Right? It's not whether he will or won't. It's when and how. How will God move? When will he bring that miracle? When will they finally see? How will he bring about new salvation? When will he heal? How will he explain it to the doctors who don't understand? When and how, that's the God that we serve. And so we want to encourage you today. We want to encourage you today to stay humble before God. To stay humble before all of those that God has brought you into relationship with. But at the end of the day, let his word speak loudest. Let his word speak loudest. I tried to narrow down just one example of God doing this in my life and I had this cool moment with God this week where he just kind of laughed. I laughed alongside because how do you narrow it to one? The amount of times that my relationship with God and the lives of those who have mentored me and who I'm in relationship with in Jesus, that they've come and told me of God meeting them in the prayer closet, God meeting them in their alone time, God strengthening them in times when no one else was around. For such a time as this. And I've watched God call people over and over and over again into situations where other people's jaws hit the floor because there's no way that person is going to do what? But I know who they are. No, you don't. God does. God does. And if that's where he's calling you, step into that moment boldly. Step into that moment with humility. Step into that moment with the Spirit. Step into that moment by the name of Jesus. That's who we serve. That's who we serve. And though others around you may not understand it, though others around you may not have the words of encouragement that you need in that moment, if your heart is dialed in, if your ears are open to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, he will call and he will lead and we will see the miraculous take place because I believe that God is doing a new thing. And I believe that this series is stirring something up in us to say, hey, God, I realize that you're not done that work in me yet. And God, I've been praying for you to do things, but not because of how good I am, not because of how gifted I am. God, make me less so that you can be more. And that's our prayer today. And so when it comes to family lids, always remember that first and foremost, you belong to the family of God. And as a part of that family, there is no lid. We serve the God of the impossible. Let's walk with him closely. In those areas that the Holy Spirit says don't go there, let's not go there. Let's receive those lids where they're appropriate. But also, let's let the world see our God. Who split the Red Sea. Sent his son to die for us. In just a couple weeks, we'll also celebrate, as Pastor Sam said, that we serve the God who rose him from the dead. And we are here today because of who he is. Let's pray this morning. God, I thank you so much that we're in this world, but this isn't really where we belong. And so God, this morning I just pray new calling. I pray new strength. I pray a release, Lord Jesus, of limitations, God. I pray, Lord Jesus, that those who you've been working on their hearts, Lord God, in the time of one-on-one with just you and them, God, that in those areas that you've been calling over and over and over again and equipping over and over and over again, God, in this season, I ask that you would release those gifts all across this place. God, I pray for new prayer warriors to rise up in this room. God, I pray for evangelists in this room, Lord Jesus, that would take that gifting and begin to move it into their workplace, Lord God. I pray, Lord Jesus, for teachers, Lord God. And I pray, Lord God, for spiritual parents in this room, God. I pray, Lord Jesus, that we would continue to watch you do what others would say is impossible. But through you, God, we know that all things are possible. And so, God, we do not stand as a people who are limited by simply what we can see. Even in the life of David, God, you spoke to Samuel and you told him, God, that we see what's on the outside, but you see the heart. And so, God, we stand on that word today, Lord Jesus, for each and every heart that is here today, God. I pray that you would mend it, Lord God, that you would strengthen it, Lord Jesus, and that you would place challenge after challenge after challenge in each and every life that's here. Call us deeper into relationship with you, God. Remove those family lids, Lord Jesus, that we would live for you and you alone. And we ask that today in your holy name. Amen.